Hi, podcasting from New York. They say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is Pushing Boundaries. Most of today's commentary on complex social issues is binary, unproductive, and flat-out lazy. With this podcast, I'm looking to hopefully elevate these conversations, and as a lifelong educator, hopefully learn a few things along with you. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode. What shouldn't we talk about? What shouldn't we talk about post-COVID? You know, as we walk out there, things are trying to become normal again, but it's not normal. There are a lot of things that we have questions about, and we're probably asking ourselves why. I will it ever be what it used to be. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do you know what the definition of insanity is? No! Do you? April. April. April! April! We are in the middle of a battle that's a trillion years in the making, and it's bigger than the both of us. One of the first things I guess we should talk about is access to medical care. You know, when COVID broke out in March in New York City, it was very difficult for you to reach a doctor, very difficult for you to make contact for a doctor for anything outside of COVID. Um, In fact, there were phone numbers outside of buildings that you had to call to get clearance, to get tested. But otherwise than that, it was very difficult to get in a building unless you had an emergency. But the emergencies were packed. You couldn't get into the emergency rooms, nor can you get into the doctor's office. And, and you know, of course, you know, we, we know that everyone was afraid. And so it's understandable that doctors were afraid to see patients because they didn't want to infect themselves or their staff. And so there was an instant door put up closed doors to medical practices all over the and now that we've reopened the medical practices it seems like the doors are not all the way open right the services of the doors like people have gone to sleep like we're still trying to reset and get back to the standards and expectations we had before post before COVID and post COVID right you know the services are not the same people are still worried about COVID and distracted based on what are the things that are actually in front of them Right. Um, and so interesting, you know, very interesting. Uh, we, we definitely this, this definitely kicks into the supplies that we have and the services that are supplying these medical practices, not only medical practices, but also supplying um, our stores like Walmart and BJ's and Costco's and, and Food Town and 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 C-Town and A&P and all of the local stores and Piggly Wiggly and all of the stores that we know of are not really fully stocked with the brand name supplies that we once recognized. In fact, we're seeing often new supplies and new names representing uh, toilet paper or paper towels in our stores. Um, and so it's a very different time in terms of what should we talk about. And I'm going to probably be all over the place during this, this episode because there are so many things going through my mind about this time. And I'm sure there's so many things that are going through that's going through your mind. 
and you know medical care is one and supplies you know the you know i was talking to my brother and he happens to drive trucks and he said you know look listen you know china is uh delaying a lot of the the imports um because of the trade agreement they have with uh, Trump. And I don't know if that's to be true, but I mean, that's one something that can be considered. You know, the other thing to consider is that China also went through COVID, and so their production went down because they had to quarantine also. Um, and so we haven't quite caught up to the supplies needed to stock our stores, and they probably haven't caught up to the manufacturing to stock our stores. So China's not only supplying uh, North America, but they're supplying the world with goods and services. And at this point, it seems like all of our stores are pretty much rationing services. I mean, Amazon is not as reliable as it once was uh, pre-COVID. Amazon now can't give you a specific date when things are, are going to arrive. You know, And it's not because the services, they can't offer you the service in terms of delivery, it's because they don't have the product. And so often when you go to Amazon, you go through, all the way through finding the goods, or finding uh, some sort of, finding a good through Amazon. You get to the shopping cart, and, and initially, Amazon is getting a little smart. They're trying to guarantee a date that's closest to the date that you want, maybe two or three days. And then you get to the shopping cart, and then you realize that it's no guarantee that it's not two or three days. That it could be two weeks. And there's no guarantee that it could come in two weeks. And by that time, you you know, you know either you pull the trigger and you, you purchase or you pull out. Me, as of late, I've been pulling out. So I've been pulling out, and I've been looking for alternatives. And so I've gone to Best Buy, and I've gone to Walmart, and I've gone to other vehicles or other vendors to find the same product, and those, some of those vendors are having the same product and offering better delivery. And so Amazon is at a crossroads because, you know, their their competitors can offer the product a lot faster. There's other the other the other thing, you know, it's the other thing is like, is it worth me waiting for Amazon when maybe I need to go go out and go to the store now? Now it's actually faster to go to the store and get your product. And um, that was one of the things that put Amazon in front of, you know, everyone else is because that you can get your product uh, online quicker than you can go to the store to get it. and But now that's the other case, you know, the opposite case. The other thing, you know, now we're going to the store, you know, of course we have to we have to deal with the social distancing. We have to wait on, we have to get online and we have to go through the mask and we have to go through all of the screening purposes to get our product. And so that's that's something that is not as friendly and um, people are not eager to engage in, but it is faster than, you know, waiting two weeks to get your product. I mean, I've heard, I heard a story of someone who waited they ordered their trampoline in May. Now we're in September. They just got their trampoline. And so that, that tells you a lot. Um, I know I tried to do some work on um, my deck. I was trying to build a new patio and, and just trying to get the supplies for the patio. I couldn't get it. I went to Home Depot and I had the whole, you know, the, the shopping list and items list of all the components that I needed for this, this patio. And none of the components came together. So if I so the Trek board, if it was Treks that I was working with or some sort of composite board, that board would not come for 129 days. Okay, so I get that. Uh, or say that board was in in the store; they had that board, but the 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 connection or the uh, the the uh, screws that I needed to attach the board wouldn't be available for 129 days. If I needed a railing system, that wouldn't be available for three months. And all of these components, so in other words, I would have to take each component of this patio and, and stack it up somewhere until I could build it, until all the components came in, which could take up to a year. So, you know, this is this is the state of where we are in terms of the supplies and, and that we're getting in from 
for many of them from um, foreign countries. Uh, you know, this this speaks to some some discussion, right? And and some of the discussion that we need to talk about is we may have to go back to homegrown manufacturing, right? Who we have to make it here. We has to be available. You know, um, it's easier to get it when it's in proximity, within when it's in, in a few, you know. It, when it's based on a few states away, you know, it's the proximity is two states, three states maybe, but um, it's closer than uh, overseas, right? Um, what's going on with manufacturing? How come? How come it's taking? How come it's taking so long for things to be made and uh, delivered to us? And so we have to think about having those things happen here. What's happening to our college educated? Here we go. I'm going to jump again. What about those kids who are in college? Are those kids that's going to college? Are those kids that are graduating to college in this job market? Right? So where do they apply? Right? And and with those skills that they once had, maybe obsolete now, right? And so how do they ch then change their skills and then apply them to uh, the problems that we have today, which is largely is manufacturing goods and services and uh, public safety, right? Public health and public safety. And so switching gears, how do we move them in that agenda? You know, being from New York City, we know that New York City is in a, a major problem in terms of restarting their school system. The mayor has uh, is very adamant about pushing forward and, and making sure that New York City uh, students are able to go to school. However, everybody's not on board. This is unions, this is teacher unions, this is uh, administrative unions, these are parents and these are students. Everyone is not on board. And so we have we have a situation where we can't get everybody on the same page. And we have some 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 teachers and some students at home with remote learning. And we don't have enough people to accommodate both choices, right? Remote learning and in the building. And so now we're asking for thousands, thousands more of teachers to fill those gaps. But we don't have the personnel to fill those gaps. And, re and the reason why is at one time in the past... New York City, in order to fill math and science gaps, they would they uh, called it they, they started an international teachers program and they brought everyone in from all over the country to do that. The other thing uh, outside of the country to do that. The other thing is that they started um, like licensed transitions where you can get an alternative license to accommodate you while you were going to school uh, to finish your teaching degree. But that's not an option anymore because travel restrictions, right? So now that we have travelers restrictions in terms of outside outside of the country and within the country, this has caused uh, personnel shortages, right? And so we don't have we don't have the the bodies, we don't have the capacity, you know, the the expertise available within the same state, and it's hard to borrow from other states because we can't move, right? Or it's more difficult to move because of COVID. And so there's another challenge in terms of a public education system. Not only that, but it's is drawing real questions in terms of the relevance of our public education system today. Is it obsolete? It is not as fluid uh, and transformative as it is in this in this climate, right? And so, you know, we're, we're moving extremely slow is because we're not adaptable. The ed public education is not as adaptable as it should be now, right? And so we're catching up, and hopefully we will catch up, but the quality is not there yet. So we're working on infrastructure and the infrastructure is badly built for this this kind of system and the quality. We can't even get to the quality because we're dealing with infrastructure in terms of people, and um, in terms of the you know meeting the needs of all of the students, the demand that's out there, right? 
And so what happens? Are we, are we going to be talking about artificial intelligence in terms of the future educators? You know, because we have, may have to consider that because we don't have enough people for the de- demand, the human demand. And so what are we talking about in terms of changing the educational profile or the structure in terms of how we educate uh, kids and uh, kids of the future, right? What about kids that are going to school now? What about those kids that are entering fifth grade and kindergarten and first grade? And, and what are their social interactions, right? It looks very different, you know? They're going to school with masks and they're standing behind plexiglass. Plexiglass. They're not allowed to touch or, or uh, come into close proximity. You know, there's a six feet uh, distance between each, and there's this fear that you know you could be contagious, right? And that's how they're living their early lives. And so, what's the impact then? Uh, you know, going forward, what what does this mean for those kids who are growing up? What does this mean, right? And and there's more greater dependency on 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 social social media, right? But then at the same time, social media is causing some trauma for people, right? Because they're looking at social media and people are becoming depressed and they're judging themselves in terms of what they see and they're not adjusting to, you know, they're, you know, they're comparing themselves to what they're seeing. And, and, you know, we know that with social media, we put our best foot forward. We put the things out there that we want people to see. So it's not part of our reality. But if you soak yourself up in it, often you find yourself confused and judging yourself and putting a putting out a, a, a meter stick or a yardstick to your own success and saying, where am I in this, right? And so we got that going on. We got people that only are, that are becoming socially isolated with remote work and remote learning, but not leaving their homes, right? People are spending a large amount of time alone or separated or within their clan that they have in that house. And so the, the personal interaction between people is becoming far less, right? And the comfort with being around a lot of people is becoming far less. So what does that do with our economy in those places that depend on groups, depend on the socialization? Although our bodies and our, our genetic makeups want, you know, they desire for us to be in groups, to be together, to, to, to you know, to celebrate and to share and to, to negotiate space and, and to compete and just to, to touch, right? And that's, that's our makeup. Those things we, we don't have. And so what's the impact on people in terms of that, this increased social uh, separation, you know? So we can say what we want. You know, we have Facebook, we have Tinder, we have Instagram. Those are beautiful things, and they give us a temporary comfort, you know, quick high. And then we turn around and we look at our homes, right? We look around and we look at who's with us. And then we look at um, the things that once entertained us on a brief period of time when we were in the home are no longer entertaining us because we're spending more time here. And so those things have become uh, quickly overused. And and one of the things about us is that we've we've moved into a, a culture of um, there's quick entertainment, but we become quickly bored, right? And so it's always like, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? So now you're home, you have to sit still, and there is no next. There is no next. You've gone to the whole Netflix profile, I mean, there's not many movies out there that uh, can offer you any entertainment because you've gone through the best. And so you're going through a lot of the junk at this point, and it's, it's a turnoff. You've gone from Netflix to Amazon Prime to Hulu to all of the, the services that they have available through your cable services, and, and you can't find anything to entertain you. So what else is there? You know, I know people are ups, uh, you know, happy about going to the gym, right? That's a new outlet. You know, and as long as the gyms are open, if, if the, the gym's able to to uh, create the social distancing and, and really sanitize their environments on a regular basis and and uh, control COVID factors in their facilities, then they'll remain open. 
But this emotional distance is going to cause some sort of uh, fallout later on that we don't know of. And, and so we got to be very uh, uh, conscious of that. Um, you know, ch children. So, you know, when we say home, let's go back to not children. I'm going to go back to home. So, you know, when we say home, what is home? You know, where where are we and where do we stay? You know, um, when we say family, when can I see them? You know, questions about medically ostracized, right? So if I have COVID, you have to announce it. How many people have to know? And then me returning from COVID, what is life like for me? Right? What am I getting? What, you know, what's the feeling I'm getting going back into the, coming back into the community? Right? And um, so, you know, what about privacy? You know, but there is no privacy. So it's in other words, I got it. Now who's around me? We have to contact everybody. You got it from this person. And, and so what kind of environment does that create? What kind of stresses does that create on the individual? How does that, that makes that person somewhat of an outcast going forward. And so there were a lot of concerns about our behaviors now, these new behaviors that we're developing post-COVID. You know, um, you, know, we, we, you know, who feels comfortable coughing, sneezing, uh, you know, having a runny nose? I mean, none of us do, you know. Um, you know, if you have a cough, you have to swallow it. You know, you have to f you have to pray that it doesn't happen publicly, because you don't you don't know what kind of uh, uh, response you're going to get from your neighbors. You know, um, this remote school thing, making choices between working your child's education. You know, if so, if your child, if you decide you want your child is going to be remote, or it's decided for you that your that your child is going to be learning remotely. And you have to go to work because your job is not in alignment to that. You have to make a decision. Do you go to work and leave your child at home unsupervised, especially those young children, latchkey kids, right? Or do you make a, a choice, which is many are doing now, and you, do you take a child a child leave, right? Leave of absence, you know, where you don't work and um, you stay home to raise your children. These are choices that people have to make. This is changing the paradigm of our households and how people work. Are we going back to single family homes where one person works and the other person is at home because you have to do it in this remote atmosphere? The extended family missing. You know, we may have to reconsider that extended family. Where are, where is everyone, right? I mean, you know, I mean, bad enough, it's single, you know, a single person or even a, 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 a couple having a hard time managing some of the uh, the real estate costs in uh, some of these, the East Coast and the West Coast, right? And so we may have to reconsider, and I know I'm seeing it in my community, that more and more extended families are coming together to purchase homes and so that they can support the mortgage payment and have something that they want, right? And so that's something to consider. But if those households that don't have extended families are in trouble, and those are the majority, they're, they're in trouble because they have no support, you know, um, the other thing is, you know, what this because there's a teacher demand in New York City, you know, do you want to be a teacher? You know, do you want to go into, because, I mean, asking people to be a teacher today is like asking them to go into Afghanistan or, you know, let's take it back to the Vietnam War, the Korean War. Let's talk about it, right? You know, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about teachers get, getting into the front lines and uh, putting themselves at risk and exposure to something that we don't know a lot about yet. What happens to socialization? How do we socialize children in this new order? I mean, we already knew there was a separation between, there was a separation between, um, you know, children because of technology, but there's more of a physical separation now. And so now that you have this physical separation and the technological separation, 
you know, where do we go from here? What does it look like now, right? And so many of our, our, our nightlifes and our, and our scenes in terms of sports and many of the things are built on group activities and uh, communal activities, picnics, and all of those things, are group parks, and all those things are built on people coming together. Um, we know that there's a strong desire for children to interact and be with each other, and so we know that that's, that's innate and that's there. But, you know, when it's not practiced, right, what does that look like coming out of this? You know, working with from home from small children, oh boy, oh boy, let me tell you. Try having a Zoom conversation with, with a chatty child, right? Try having a Zoom conversation with, with other individuals that have their own space and they want to play music. They want, they're having Zoom conversations. So you can have multiple Zoom conversations. You have someone on the phone. You can have somebody in the kitchen. You have pots and pans moving. You have people walking. You have all kinds of things happening in these remote work atmospheres, right? And the most difficult are those that are working with children, right? And because the children have no sense of uh, a, a space and, and, and um, boundaries at, at a young age. And so they just move and, and they want to communicate and they want direct com uh, conversation and, and, and attention and, and it's not the right time. And so, you know, it's, it's those for those who have children, they definitely understand. For those who don't have children, sometimes it's hard for them to understand. They don't understand why they can't have a Zoom meeting and have a, a session in your home with your family and not have quiet, right? And so those are challenges in terms of how we communicate going forward. You know, physical health, you know, people are, you know, so we're living in a sedentary lifestyle and people are sitting down and they're watching, you know, they're, they're looking at their laptops or they're watching television or people are laying on a couch and having a Zoom conference or some people are laying in the bed and having a Zoom conference or some people are lounging. Many people are lounging during these Zoom conferences and not sitting upright. Or if they're sitting upright, doesn't it make it any better physically, right, in terms of posture, right? So, you know, physically, if we're sitting all the time, all day long, or we're laying all the time, all day long, not good for our bodies, right? Not good for our muscle mass, <laughs> not good for our health, not good for just our heart, you know, uh, not good for our, our mental our stability. All of these things are playing on our, on our lifestyles. And then if we're, if we're quarantining and we're not coming out for sun and air on a regular basis and making a connection to nature, making a connection to ourselves and being present and mindful, you know, that's going to have an impact on us, right? Remote work. How much is needed from us, right? When we have when we're working remotely, and you know, there's a sense, you know, from a lot of these companies that because we're working remotely, that we're we're not working enough because there's this gap in time that they're hearing and seeing from us, right? And so there's this sense from managers that they need to begin to micromanage our day and our time. And some micromanagers have some unrealistic expectations, like I want you to sit at your computer all day. Well, I, you know what? I'm in my house and there are other people here and they're home too. And the things that have to happen, like we have to use the bathroom, we have to be able to cook a meal, you know, um, we may have to, you know, we have a child in here. We, you know, there are different things that are pulling on you not to be at that computer all day, right? And so um, the expectations for remote, for, for remote work is, um, has to, is consistently changing right now. It's fluid because there, is no, there are no expectations. They, you know, people are trying to relate remote learning to a remote work to the brick and mortar system, our structures, and that is not the case, right? And so we have to move from things that are obsolete and because now it's we consider obsolete the brick and mortar in this case. Why would I go back to a brick and mortar when I can get the same productivity or even more without having to pay for overhead?
right? And how much do, how many people do I need to get a job done now? Not in, a, in this remote world. This is the evaluation that's happening now. How many people do I really need to get a job done, right? And how much do I need to pay, right? And so it goes from, it could go from, you know, a regular employee system to contract systems, right? And that was something that people were doing anyway. They were working their own business. You had a person that was doing HR, you know, you have a cousin that she's doing HR for uh, companies and on her time, on her dime, but it's her company. They don't pay for anything for, they give a, they give a one, a set of money and they say, this is what I need. And then she does that. And she does it for several companies. Well, that's something that may be the future, right? That, that companies will begin to car- contract out of ser- contract services, right? The DOE, the Department of Education in New York City is already, look, already looking to that, right? They're looking to contract services right now through a substitute system, you know, but this is something that in terms of making the system more fluid may happen, right? May happen more, you know, with, with schools reopening and, and schools trying to have a um, health-first approach, right? Flexibility, the flexibility of remote work is extremely flexible, where, how, when, extremely flexible, right? And so this is something, you know, are we going to move to back to inflexibility by being a brick and mortar and having someone in front of you? Or just the flexibility of getting things done whenever, however, you know. Um, and I don't have to, you don't have to be physically in front of me, and I really don't have to see your face. I just need to see the, the product, right? The, the other thing is the, our homes, so when we talk about our home life and our homes, the way our homes were built, our homes were built for many of us who were working nine to five or working throughout the day or working, how many hours you work a day, it didn't matter. Many of our homes were a place that we visited. It was somewhat like a museum, you know, a place that we came in temporarily and uh, we lay down and we had some nice things around and we could sit on the couch for a moment and we get up and we, you know, the bed and, you know, just things are you know, nice to look at, nice to look at. But now that we're living in here all the time, we, we're finding that our homes are not friendly for us to be here all day, right? They're not comfortable. They're not user-friendly. They're not even uh, industrial, right? They're not in, in built in a way or designed in a way to make them really useful to our purpose to work. So to work and to live, they're not very useful. They were useful to visit on a temporary basis, but they weren't useful for us to be in them all the time. And so now people are looking at, you know, creating additional space in the yards and in their backyard or, or it, turning rooms into offices or, you know, looking at the design of their homes to be more useful and friendly to remote work and remote learning, right? And so very different game in terms of how do we do that and, and how do we do that, right? And so it takes... An, another area for us to stretch into because, you know, I was listening to another podcast this morning and they were talking about it has nothing to do with chairs, you know, the chair that you have at your desk. They were saying actually that the desk that you have is actually too high for you to really work on a computer, that your laptop, because many of us are working off of laptops at home, that your laptop needs to be raised uh, to, 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 to head level to, or to eye level and so that your posture forces you to sit upright. And that your your keyboard needs to be actually lowered, almost over, somewhat over your lap, maybe three inches over your lap, so that your your elbows are in a comfortable posture in terms of your sitting. But the process in there, in terms of engaging, that we're engaging now, in terms of sitting at a desk or sitting at our um, sitting at our, our dining room tables, or, or you know, they're causing us to have our, our shoulders up, scrunched up, or our hands up, or sitting forward, or, scr- or, or hunched over, or, you know, the neck down. And so we're creating, we're gaining some structural issues 
you know, in terms of our necks and our shoulders and our back, you know, from this new life that we're living in. So how do we how do we readjust our work environment so that we're comfortable? And, and really, in other words, they were saying there's really nothing we can do in terms of um, the, the things that we buy, like the table or the chair. It's really about movement, right? It's about, you know, you have to if you have to be in a Zoom all day long, you need to find a way to stand up. You know, walk around, you need to be doing movement, you need to be changing your position, you need to stretch as often as possible. So within every 30 minutes, you need to be making a move. These are the kind of things that we have to think about now that we're, uh, we're living in our homes and really living in our homes, right? Are our homes durable enough for us to be here all the time, right? You might find that things are breaking in your house now all of a sudden, you know, the machines are not working and things are out of order and you find yourself having to buy things because... You're using it more, right? And so it wasn't meant for you to use it more. It was meant for you to use it maybe once or twice a week and not using it daily. You know, having what you really need in your home. Do you have what you really need? What do you need in your refrigerator, right? What do you need to, to use in your home? You know, all of a sudden, you know, do we need printers? And, you know, I mean, some of us are using printers. I'm not using a printer. I'm, you know, I'm going fully uh, digital, you know, through, you know, the Google drives and whatever drives and clouds, you know, but that's where we should be. Some people are not there. Some people are bringing the equipment to their homes, right? And they need to have that in order to uh, function. You know, um, you know, becoming an all-purpose, right? Your house has to become like all-purpose. You have to be able to serve all needs in your home, right? And this is a new challenge for everyone. You know, and then the uh, the the other thing here is the the social and physical barriers, right? Um, having to go through plexiglass and having to do a survey before you go into the gym or to an office building we understand that there's public safety and that, that that comes first yes but the 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 so so there's an element of trust right and so that element of trust is not there right we need to know something about you before you come in right so we have to screen you right and so you just got to think about where this thing can go, right? And so when people, you know, it's like the airport. So screening was only done at the airport in terms of if you, to make sure you didn't have a weapon or you brought any illegal substances through the airport or even on any um, a, a, a vegetation from another country into, the, into another country, right? All those screening purposes was for that. But now we're screening for that and we're screening for, for public health, right? And so everything is being screened before you enter one certain... One, one station to another station, and so that becomes a way of life, right? Right now, we're dealing with that, and, and it's, it's new. But when you have to be screening everything you do and everywhere you go, hmm, that changes life, right? It has an impact on how we live and, and how we feel about, you know, being around each other. You know, the lines and markings on floors, you know. You know, I, 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 you know in a negative way, you know, I understand it gives people guidance. In a positive way, it gives people guidance in terms of how to move, right, fluidly in this uh, post-COVID. But on the, on the negative end, it's almost like um, it's kind of a, it's confining. It's almost like a, a prison, right? It's a, because, you know, there's a, there's a line on the floor in terms of walking. There's a label in terms of where you stand. You know, all of those things in terms of your freedom of movement is starting to be um, limited in facilities, right? And almost, almost, it's almost in public areas too, like parks, public parks, right? Um, and so these are all changing and creating these social and physical barriers and barriers in the way we live, you know, um, daily, 
you know, the entry screening, the lines, the, the plexiglass, you know, or the public labeling, you know, you have COVID, uh, you've contacted, you've been in contact with five people, you five, don't come to work for 14 days, you five, you know, make sure you take the test before you come back. We have to see that it's positive or negative, I mean, negative before you come back re-into this environment, and then we'll let the environment know you're safe, right? So, you know, all those things are something to think about, um, then there's the overwhelming demand for a single product, right? So we have people out here who are hoarding things, right? Who are buying more than their share for their household. Who are putting, you know, stockpiling and, and we're living like, uh, I don't know if anybody saw the movie of Mad Max or Divergent Series or Hunger Games. You know, people are still stockpiling in their homes, right? They're still grabbing, you know, as many things like Lysol, right? Lysol is hard to get right now. Or Clorox wipes, right? Hard to get right now. You know, in some cases, Scott's uh, toilet tissue. All of these things are hard to get right now when people are still stockpiling, right? And and what are we stockpiling for? What fallout? Do we really want to fall out? What are you stockpiling for? Because if even if you stockpile and there's a fallout and you're the only one who has and people know that, what do you think is going to happen, right? So, it, you know, it's like, so I don't know how we're thinking about this, but we, you know, it's like almost like a, a doomsday approach. We really haven't come out of the rent where people are relaxed and, and comfortable in operation with one another. And where and it's and there seems to be some sort of um not a not a uh uh there's seem to be a diminishing trust for uh the government's vision and um uh focus uh, or or not focus vision, but I would say their um their they're not their outlook but the plan going forward for uh, American society. Um, and then, you know, the, the, you know, then this is, this is really hard for the have and the have nots, right? And so for the have and the have nots, let's talk about basic things. Well, not basic things, but essentially basic things in this uh, 21st century is internet, right? Having internet versus not having internet. And then the other thing that goes beyond that is internet speed, because not everyone is home. Just think about the devices that we have operating in our homes. We have multiple laptops. We have multiple cell phones. You know, um, we have we have you know these smart devices like maybe your, uh, your um, thermostat or um, some people have washing machines that are connected to the Wi-Fi. You know, or let's talk about um, what else can we talk about in the, in the house? There's so many things. These stoves and every 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 appliance you can think of or anything that comes in digitally in your house, whether it's it's your Bluetooth speakers or anything can essentially run off your Wi-Fi. So all of those things are pulling on your Wi-Fi. But when you're home, multiple people are using multiple devices around them, right? I was watching my daughter the other day, and, and she's really caught up in the roadblocks. And I'm watching her, and she has the desktop, she has a laptop, and she has another laptop to run her game. And I'm like, wow, you know, you got a lot of devices going on at one time. She says, well, this one is telling me a story and a narrative. A narrative, and this one I'm actually playing this game and I'm creating a movie. And then this one over here, I'm gonna get into because my friend is over there playing that one. So I wanna watch her and see what she, I'm like, wow, it's a lot going on. And that's for a little person, right? And so imagine what us adults were into, you know, between browsing our, our cell phones and looking at our laptops and or watching a smart TV, right? And so there's a lot of things, a lot of things going on. And I, you know, so I, you know, I don't have any answers and I'm not, I'm not trying to um, overburden anyone. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking and speaking about the things that a lot of us have on our minds, right? Um, I'm tired of watching movies. You know, the, for me, the quality of movies that are being made today, there's a, 
a drastic reduction in the quality of movies. They've, they're, they're pushing them out extremely fast, and people are rating them. I don't know if they're false ratings or whatever. They're rating them well, and you watch it, and it's a piece of crap, and I've wasted an hour of my time, you know, hour, 30 minutes, so I'm losing patience for that. Um, you know, the critics are not in alignment with the public. You know, the critics will say it's great, and then the public looks at it, and it's great. Uh, are they not in alignment? And you look at it from the critic's point of view, and it's terrible. So who, who are the critics now, right? And where are they coming from? What connection do they have to the people? You know, movies. some movies are not coming out quick enough, right? And so uh, our movies are extremely predictable now. You know, I can watch, you know, five minutes of the movie, and I can tell you how it's going to end. And, you know, so, and it's a reduction in the amount of movies that are coming out. And so that, that form of entertainment... Is not enough. It's not enough because it's not enough to keep you distracted. I know sports have come have come back into the pitch, and I know people are trying to get into that, but there was something about having a crowd involved with that, right? So we talk about social distancing. There's something about watching a football game and seeing 17,000 people in the audience and now watching the game and seeing no one in the audience, right? And just seeing the players, right? And so there's a, there's a, there's a certain kind of energy when people come together that can push a team forward. Uh, you know, I'll take a team out of it. And there's an energy that we even feel through the television watching the game by seeing the kind of energy that's going on in the stadium. Same with basketball. You know, it's, it's just a different feel for um, the game. And, and even when they talk about the basketball games right now, watching the playoffs, you can, the, the players are having a difficult time being what they call in the bubble, right? And they had to bring in their families to, to break the ice because these players were having psychological issues being in the bubble, being disconnected from people, not being social, you know, not being in a community, right? And being behind this technology, walking from the hotel into a room where people were looking at them through computer screens. They were having a trouble with that. They were having trouble adapting. So they, so if you want to look at some of the, the immediate impacts, you just watch, you can watch the, uh, um, professional sports and just watch what's going on with the players and what's happening, right? The football is starting out as a, a lot of injuries, right? Um, something about the crowd screaming, it may carry you through a, 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 a sprained ankle, you know, and you may let it go, you know, but now people are not letting it go. So there's a lot of things that are going on that are, that are changing the dynamics of how we live and, 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 the, and what's going to happen with our mental health, right? So pay attention, people. What is going to happen to our mental health? How are we living and what is going to happen to the clan dynamic or the tribalism, right, that, that we have as naturally as people? You know, because that's that's something that's um, animalistic in us. But this tribalistic behavior we have, and now we're, we're forced to uh, create this. You know, go back into that tribal behavior, right? Um, and so, and and people are having a hard time. You know, this is another reason why the school system is having a hard time. And anyway, we have to you have to get a lot of people back in to some sort of industry because psychologically they've been out of it, right? And when they're out of it, it makes it difficult for them to trust the process again. And so getting them back in is very difficult, right? Because they've been out of it so long, and now there's this fear, oh, if I get back, you know, there's a lot of fear, 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 and this fear is not allowing people, and it's legitimate fear, yes, but this fear is going to make it very difficult for people to be together for some time and to be relaxed with one another, right? And so, you know, we have we have a lot going on, and 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 I, that's why I titled this 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 episode, you know, uh, what's not what they, what's not to ask, you know, because there there are so many, you know, there's so many things that we should that we want to talk about, and there are no answers, and I don't have any answers for you because these are new issues that are that are out there for us. Um, I just know that I'm aware that there are a lot of issues out here for us right now, and that. Um, in those issues, there are definitely opportunities. There are definitely opportunities to be a solution.
to those issues. And so if you're looking to be a solution and you're looking for entrepreneurship, now is the time. You know, I think um, artificial intelligence, look out for it. I think that's going to be something that's going to be definitely growing because it's going to fill the gap. You know, it can fill the gap and it can fill the gap in terms of uh, health and safety. Uh, the issue that is that when, when you bring in artificial intelligence, it does replace. It replaces human factors, right? Human factors. And so um, we have to rethink, you know, where, where humans play a role in, in, in our economy, right? And, and I, you know, I, I wanna, I'm going to jump again. You know, I was watching, um, I used to be heavily into, you know, watching my, uh, either, you know, when I would go to brick and mortar church and then I went to virtual churches. But virtual churches are even different now that there's no audience. I mean, um, I was watching, you know, a, a very uh, um, popular uh, pastor and, you know, huge congregation the other day, and I thought he was losing his mind, you know, because he had no, he had no, there was no, like, because, you know, churches, especially black churches, are based on call and response, and it's based on um, the, the pastor speaking and getting some sort of stimulation from his his uh, congregation in order to move his, his sermon. Well, they're not getting that, right? Um, and they're off, right? And so they, they've missed this, they're firing and they're not firing on the right cylinders and it's, become, it's causing a disconnect between the pastors and their congregation because they're like, well, this is not what I'm thinking. Or you maybe you're trying to predict what I'm thinking, but that's not it because you can't feel me and you can't really talk to me. You know, you might be getting a text message or an email, but they can't really connect in a, in a physical way with people. And so... This, this 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 growing disconnect between I hate unfortunately between the church the church leaders and their congregation and I'm, I'm you know some people are you know steadfast and they're sticking with it but those large congregation are losing their flock because people are not connected right and as more people begin to fall behind I, I mean we, we can't none of us can can pretend that you know when we work through zoom it's a different kind of connection than working physically with people. Right. And it's like there's a, there's a greater disconnect between working with Zoom in terms of we do the work and I know what I have to do. I'm going to have this conversation. But with me connecting with you as a person, very difficult to do it through um, virtual uh, conferencing. Very difficult. Um, and that that's something that, you know, that we, we're going to have to maybe practice with. I mean, maybe we're going to have to become more adaptable to virtual conferencing and try to connect. But it's hard to connect with people emotionally, physically and spiritually through of uh, a, a video conferencing, a video chat, you know, um, I find it very difficult for myself. You know, I, it's it's like I'm looking at faces, and I see expressions, and you know, it's no more than that because then then I'm, then there's their environment going on. And remember, when people are in their environment, and in their natural environment, and they have people around them, and noises around them, and familiarity, it's a it's they're not as connected to you during that moment because they're connected to their environment. And so there's a flatness. There's, there's a there's a there's a, like a there's a feature there in terms of connectedness that falls flat, and we lose it. And so we're losing some sort of essence of connection between people during this um this 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 pandemic. So you know, again, um, I just you know, what shouldn't we talk about? There's a lot of things in my mind. I wanted to talk about it, you know. Um, and I know I didn't talk about everything, but those are a lot of things that I have questions about. You know, um, and I and I understand the answers to them. I do, um, but it is changing uh, the way my ex I'm just changing my expectations for things, and it's changing um, how I move and my behaviors, my personal behaviors, um, and my family's behaviors because we have to do things differently. But 
I'm sure in this practice and in creating these new habits, um, it's going to change the dynamics of human relationships going forward. Thanks for listening to Pushing Boundaries. Once again, my name is Sharif Rucker. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor by commenting, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with everyone you know. All of these things are free and take very little effort, but would mean the world to me. Thanks again and stay tuned.